0: hi guys welcome to the 20th episode of the untitled gadget podcast and uh, this is going to be a little different so we're recording pretty late um, and as it turns out we have lives outside work and uh, people do get busy so this week <laughs> akshay is not going to be joining us We're pretty sad about that. But hey, you know what? The podcast has to go out for our listeners. So it's me and Harish um, late on a weekend talking about tech. How exciting. Harish, how have you been? Yay.
1: Talking about tech on a weekend. Wow. Anyway. uh, Yeah, it's been a pretty exciting week, man. Uh, It's just been kind of one of those weeks where... Just one thing has dominated the news cycle throughout. And after Friday, I I was at a point where I was like, okay, enough. I don't want to see any more tech or read about tech. So I was just unwinding for the whole weekend. And Formula One was back this weekend too. So I was like, hey, something to look forward to after so long.
0: Yeah, we're talking about dominating the news cycle. I think this episode is also going to be dominated by you with all the exclusives you've been dropping and all the... Uh, I think un unintended tech stuff that you've been doing over the weekend. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think
1: <laughs> it's just a weird, yeah, I know, it's just a weird uh, thing. We'll get into that. But wait, how is how's your weekend been, seeing as how we're now at the end of it?
0: Yeah, uh, I don't know. Like, I mean, I didn't realize how quickly the weekend passed. Yeah. But now we're at the end of it and here we are <laughs> and it is <laughs> what it is. Uh, yeah, got a bit of work done, but not too much, but I'm kind of glad I took a bit of a break. Uh, I cooked a lot of Italian last night. That was nice. nice. Uh, and that's about it. So I think let's just get ahead, get to the topic and get done with today's episode because there is not a lot to talk about, but the stuff that we do have, we can possibly go pretty in depth on that. Yeah. All right, let's start off with our favorite topic, Uh, OnePlus, of course. OnePlus Nord um, is official, sort of. Uh, There has been a lot of information, sort of. (laughs) (laughs) We know a reasonable about it, but we don't really know that much about it. Harish, you have had a lot of exclusives, and last week, I think it was TechRadar, which uh, dropped some information about uh, the key specifications uh, why don't you just talk us through it?
1: Yeah, so I think this was by far the biggest story of the week, at least in terms of phones. Um, so OnePlus generally likes to do this where they eventually tease out information a few weeks from launch. And that's what they did this time too. Now we know for sure that the next phone is going to be called the Nord. That was a given anyway. And then we know that it will be powered by the Snapdragon 765G and then it'll have uh, flagship level camera, whatever that'll mean. <laughs> uh, and then
0: I'm sorry, I'm cutting you off there, man. Like the flagships don't have flagship level cameras. I don't see that happening on a mid range.
1: Seriously, yeah, that we should we should actually talk a little bit more uh, later on. I think we should do a segment later in the month about how phones have evolved in 2020 in terms of cameras because now that we have a full slate out. Mm-hmm at least for the first half of the year, we have a good understanding of where cameras have come. So in that context, yes, I also, (laughs) we were having a discussion and then we laughed out because it just doesn't make sense. They're considering it at like a below 30,000 price point. So yeah, the only flagship level thing will be maybe a high sensor there. So let's see how that factors in. Um, I think there was a third thing, something around design and oxygen os but those are two things that they've been able to execute well for like several generations now. So that's broad strokes what the phone is.
0: Yeah. I'm actually quite excited about it. I think it might very well become one of those phones that, you know, become the de facto choice in the sub 30 range. Uh, right. I mean, Realme is doing a pretty good job. They even have like an 855 plus at 28,000 um, ish 850- yeah. and another one at 25 ish, the one without the super zoom camera. And those are not bad phones, uh, except, you know, Realme UI, it's hit or miss, the design can be hit or miss. I think the biggest factor for me, over for the Nord, is the consistency and reliability of OnePlus, uh, how they're consistent with delivering updates, years after the phone has been released, uh, keeping it rock solid. 765 is enough, you know. Sure, there'll be the people who will be clamoring for an 855, whatever, and they can get the other options. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that's it's a powerful enough phone. I'm quite liking the design teasers that they've shown. Uh, yeah. Flat display, fantastic. Uh, I'm also quite excited about the dual selfie camera. Uh, if that's a wide angle in there, because of course, what else will there be in there? Uh, that's exciting. That's a genuinely useful addition, which I've, I've, I'm i astonished that they haven't brought to, their, uh, to the OnePlus 8 series as well so far.
1: Yeah, that's that's weird that they have not because one of the key misses in the OnePlus 8 series is the selfie camera because it's just horrendous. I was mm-hmm. looking at how much they've innovated in this area in the last three years and it hasn't been a lot. Sure, they've changed the sensor a few times, but they haven't done anything to actually make the photos that you take from that sensor stand out. Mm-hmm. Um Particularly with the 8 Pro, considering that you're paying over 50000 for that phone, yeah. the selfie camera on that is absolutely garbage. So it's interesting that they're positioning something that may cost half as much as the 8 Pro with a better selfie camera and the mm-hmm. same flagship level camera. So it'll be interesting how that'll affect the 8 and 8 Pro because yeah. I think for the most part, what you're absolutely right. The 765 is more than enough for most users, even for gaming. Um I don't think anybody needs an 865. So brands that are going with the 855 and the 765, they're actually being smart about it. So I think it may be one of those, yeah, sleeper hits that mm-hmm. everyone will want to get a hold of. Yeah. But l- let's see. But then there's also the bigger question here, right? Why would anyone buy the OnePlus 8 if this exists? Fair point. Uh, yeah.
0: I never really thought of it from that angle. I suppose, you know, uh, a bigger screen, we don't have screen dimensions yet. Uh, we don't know the rear camera setup, maybe, but then the One 8 doesn't really have the most compelling uh, or versatile camera setup anyway.
1: Uh, yeah.
0: I think the One 8 then gets shoehorned just into that power category that for somebody who really wants an 865 or in markets where they really want 5G. Uh, but the 765 supports 5G, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, it does. But then it's pointless for India because they're only going to launch it in a few key markets, this phone, Mm -hmm. They've clearly come out and said that. Actually, you guys got an exclusive on that as well, right? About availability and all.
0: Yeah, so they're doing Europe. uh, They're doing UK and they're... (laughs) Funny that UK is no longer a part of Europe. Hashtag Brexit. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) And they're doing India. Uh, I think they're planning to do some sort of a beta program for the US market where they'll have um, special access uh, I don't know how that's going to roll out, but I don't think they're eyeing a carrier rollout uh, anytime soon. Uh, so that's that's interesting. But yeah, uh, that's a very good point that you bring up. The OnePlus 8, where does it even stand anymore? And why, yeah. why should somebody spend that much on the 8?
1: I mean, they're still selling the 70. I'm sure they're not going to sell the 70 once this shows up because... I don't think they'll want to sell like three or four phones at mm-hmm. the same time. They've never been able to do that. They always yeah. believe in selling short, short, uh, short, having short production runs. I think that's their whole business model, mm-hmm. um, which I always thought was dumb. I mean, you make more money at the end of a life cycle of a phone as all the components go down in value. So I don't understand why they launch phones. And this is also one of the points why I don't like Realme in this segment now because Realme is just pushing out so many phones that it's become a hassle to just recommend
0: their phones now right I've lost track of how many phones to have sub 20k like there's (laughs) three four five different phones and they're all similar enough one thing is better than the other in some way but then how do you pick and choose like then again you get stuck into that same question you know what do you prefer in a phone but everybody wants just one phone which does everything great yeah. Uh, you can't really shoe on that person to, oh if you want a great camera you do this but then he'll be like why should I compromise on something else just make one product yeah. make it good
1: yeah I think brands are losing value i mean, sight of that but when it comes to Nord at least everything looks very interesting Um, mm. right now I don't think of I, I can't find any reason to not like this phone particularly if it's going to slot in at that under 30,000 price point yeah. right because for a lot of folks that have been wanting to upgrade to say some from say something like the Redmi, uh, Note series or even something twenty thousand that has been available for a few years now, they're looking and they're waiting. And for under thirty thousand, this is going to mm-hmm. re- deliver that reliability. So I think
0: it's gonna be a winner. And the marketing has been incredible. Like it's yeah world class marketing. So much hype around the product, and yeah. I think uh, it just adds to the to that aspect as well that oneplus is one of those few brands which despite being of chinese origin and there's nothing wrong in that of course uh no. has somehow transcended that image it's no longer really considered a chinese brand uh and i think a lot of it has to do with the positioning and the marketing that they've been doing
1: i think positioning has a lot to do with lot to do with it because they don't sell this phone in China as much. I mean, mm. they sell the phone, obviously. They don't sell volumes, the same volumes that you get with other BBK brands. So I think in that context, OnePlus is not seen as like a major player in China. But I mean, from the very beginning, they focused on the US market, right? Because after China, it launched in the US, the OnePlus One, and then it went to the UK. So mm. they've always been that global... Mm-hmm. brand i think that actually made them very they, that put them in a good position
0: yeah and i think like it's just the i mean you make a, you make some valid points there and in addition and in addition to that i think it's the general design of the hardware the minimalism without you know going overboard on the uh copycat uh in the copycat direction or for that part even oxygen os but that's minimalism uh, they've never really uh, had any form of the, those that overbearing UI that everybody associates with a Chinese phone. I think that entire experience tied in to helping them, you know, just shed that baggage of being technically a BBK brand.
1: Yeah, I think they're they were very smart about some of the key decisions they've taken early on because. Um, they have a really small team. What nobody understands about OnePlus is that their entire company is less than what Samsung would have for updates on one phone series. Yeah. Like that's their global headcount. Head it's that low. So for them to be able to get to this point where they're being positioned against Google and Samsung, it's a big deal. Because they've been able to achieve that and they would not be able to achieve that were it not for the scale of K and the fact that they're able to leverage Oppo and these brands and get that manufacturing sorted out. Because if this were like something like next bit, <laughs> this would not have been possible, right? Yeah. So I think they were being very clever about that. I, we, we see that even in the design. So OnePlus, not, it's not going to be an original design in that it's a brand new phone. It's going to be an offshoot of one of the BBK phones that are already I mean a few BBK phones that are already out there. Um, but what they've done very intelligently is that they've customized the software. One Oxygen OS is just purely theirs, right? Yeah. That's such a and it doesn't take a lot of effort to deliver something clean because you don't have as many as much customization. So mm-hmm. I think from the very beginning the positioning was very clear on what their phones wanted to be. -hmm. So I think that worked out.
0: Yeah, I think uh just to add a final bit on that, I think it was designed as a phone for the Western market, which was also sold in China, versus a phone designed for China and then customized for other markets, as is so often the case. And uh I mean it just shows, like you said, I think it's it's fair to say that, you know, for example, Xiaomi might Call itself like with a startup like mindset in so many ways but truly that's that's one plus if you got to say it um yeah. but yeah so that was it on the nord uh the specs a hint of the design because uh, oh you can go check it out on amazon.in uh they have a teaser image over there as well and that's pretty much what everybody knows uh so far um But OnePlus also launched some new TVs this week. They're getting into the affordable TV segment. Harish has a fantastic review out. Uh, I don't think it's 6,000 words this time.
1: No, (laughs) thankfully
0: no. Uh, But you seem to like it quite a bit. Yeah, I do.
1: And it's a sign of the times that I totally forgot I reviewed that thing this week because it just went out of my mind. Um, Yeah, so this TV is really nice. I got the U-series, the 55U1. That's their that's the costliest model of the three that they launched. They also launched two models in the Y-series. Now that's positioned more alongside the Xiaomi entry-level Mi TV range. So the 32-inch Y-series starts off at like 13000 and the 55-inch U1 that I got is 49999 So there's a pretty big gulf there. And that's because the U1 has a much better panel. It has better hardware. And the design is exquisite. So I think in that 50000 price point, you don't see a lot of emphasis on design. And they've clearly made that a priority mm-hmm. with this. So I really like it. Um, it's just as good as that first Mi TV that came out. Remember that one with the really thin bezels?
0: Oh, the 55-inch? Uh, oh, yeah. I, I have one of those. Uh, yeah. The panel was not that great.
1: The panel wasn't great, but the design was pretty evocative. The,
0: the design was amazing. Uh, I mean, that's yeah. the TV I still have out in the living room because that's just used for Tata Sky and shit, so don't really give a crap about uh, picture quality over there. Uh, But yeah, uh, some key pointers for the audience, for the listeners. This one does not have the slide-out speaker from the Q1. Uh, I don't think too many people appreciated it that much. And Plus, it was a 30,000 rupee jump-up in price uh, for that. I mean, it was very cool from an engineering point of view, but not that like it wasn't worth 30000 rupees also it was not. yeah and also this one does not have a qled panel it's still a really good panel though
1: it is and it has dolby vision and they've managed to do a good job with it because i don't think there are many leds that have dolby vision that do a decent job but this was fine um i have no issues with how good the panel I, I don't have any issues with the panel um obviously i don't have a lot of context around this because i don't review many tvs but the few me tvs that i have and i looked at a view tv a few years ago so this was better than all of those and they cost around that same 40 45 thousand so yeah and also One thing that I have to note about the TV is they've been doing a kick-ass job with software updates. I know that's not a huge point on TVs, but uh, I have the Q1 still and that thing is still getting like monthly updates and it gets a lot of bug fixes and it's just smooth. It's just like the same thing that they do with phones. Mm -hmm. So... I'm guessing they'll continue to update their TVs for far longer than say Sony or Samsung or other manufacturers. So yeah, you're generally getting a quality product and it doesn't cost as much as their earlier TVs. So that's a win.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I got a quick look at the TV uh, and I got to say like you're absolutely right. The panel quality is surprisingly good. I did not expect it to be that good at this price point. Uh, I mean... Good job to Xiaomi for actually commoditizing the TV space. They've done a brilliant job over the years. Uh, I mean, in many ways, they kick-started this. Uh, But yeah, the OnePlus TV definitely seems to have a better display. Uh, The design is fantastic. Uh, I don't know how how much of a profit they're even making on this, Uh, all of that engineering has got to cost something. Uh, But as it stands, I think at that price point, this is pretty much one of your best options right now.
1: Yeah. And I'm guessing they'll be a little more aggressive when it comes to sales and cashback offers, that sort of thing with the TV, more so than they are with their phones, just because they're trying to get into that market. But this will definitely make it, I mean, this is basically lowering the barrier, right? With a 13,000 TV, there's no reason not to buy one if you want like a solid TV with Android TV. So.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, to be fair, even with the Q1, I had... Very few issues uh, with the software side of things. Uh, Android TV on that worked really well, uh, which is often not the case, even with much higher-end TVs. Sony being a prime example of that. (laughs) Underpowered. Oh, God, so underpowered. And this was like when I was testing out one of their 4 or 5 lakh rupee TVs, the thing just was so sluggish. You just don't expect that.
1: Yeah, I fully understand there with the Sony thing. And I bought a Bravia, I think, what, four years ago or something. And it got updates for about a year and a half. But after that, it became unusable, like I just could not use the interface. So I had to pick up one of these streaming boxes and then plug it in. Yeah. Um, one point on the Q1 Pro, I did not have to do that. Uh. So, yeah, I think they're doing a good job. There's something to be said about using robust hardware on a TV. Mm-hmm. Not a lot of manufacturers do it. But they're using the same internal hardware from the Q1 into the U1. So, it's just as smooth, just as fluid, and should get just as many updates.
0: That's great. I mean, I think it also makes things easier from their end, having the same hardware. They can easy, like push out updates much in a much more quicker fashion, much more easily. Uh, but Yeah, so... That was our update on the OnePlus TVs. It seems that we're really rushing through this episode, aren't we?
1: (laughs) I mean, I kind of get that feeling. Are you not the same way this week in particular, that there's just been so much going on that I just needed that break? Mm -hmm. Uh, So yeah, I think that's why maybe I'm not as excited to talk about these things as I probably would have been. Yeah, <laughs>
0: no, I get that totally. I mean, I could do with, do with another two days off, but hey, back to work tomorrow morning. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, the last one, the last big topic, and that's actually a pretty big one. Uh, so I tweeted out um, one of the articles that I had published earlier this week. No, not earlier this week. Actually, it got published today. And Harish, you also had something on it. Um, and let's talk a bit about the app ban in India. Uh, We've discussed the entire boycott China tech uh, earlier on and we were pretty vocal about it. Uh, But this thing, like, I I honestly feel it's starting to get really out of hand. What do you think?
1: I don't even know where to begin with this, honestly, because I thought that whole rhetoric was just going to die down Mm -hmm. after things came to a head. But um, that doesn't seem to be the case. It is puzzling, actually, because... Uh, from whatever the government stated and the fact that they were actually trying to walk back their claims around the whole, they were trying to be aggressive and then they were like, okay, there's not a whole lot we can do about China. So they were trying to walk back their claims and then they come out with this where they banned like 59 Chinese apps. Mm -hmm. I just don't get the messaging. I don't know what is going on. I don't know how long that ban will be enforced. And it's just, I don't understand the point of it because they claim that they're doing this out of national security interests. And that does not make sense.
0: I mean, if it was national security interests, why was it not looked into earlier? And yeah, uh, this, uh, this entire ban coming right in the midst of this huge nationalistic fervor that's going on. The sentiment, uh, it's sending a very v- weird signal and it's the beginning of a very slippery sto- slope, uh, You cannot, and to be fair, I think it it extends beyond that. Like overnight, we are seeing um, Indian companies come up with duplicate alternatives uh, with terrible UX, uh, but fantastic user acquisition because, hey, users have to go somewhere. And I don't understand this entire sentiment where people are like, this is great for the Indian startup ecosystem, but how can you even dream of building a globalized product by stifling competition.
1: It It's worse than that because what we're basically doing is we're becoming another China. Exactly. It's just absolutely crazy. I think it's so hilarious looking at this from like a macro point of view because it makes no sense to just enforce like a wholesale ban and... Uh, you saw that tweet from the Internet Freedom Federation, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's no legality to this sort of thing mm-hmm. anyway, so it's like the government is trying to see just what it can push and it, I, it's like a some sort of a theatre man at this point, every it's, it's, week there's just some <laughs> bullshit or the other I mean, it's juvenile
0: like, hey, you, you send soldiers into my territory, I'm going to ban your apps really?
1: but let's talk about it right so we cannot do anything with china in terms of a trade war like how the u.s is doing because well we don't send stuff to china and we don't consume as much stuff from china as other countries do. so even if we say oh we're not going to get any chinese products it's not going to damage their economy as much as some of these other countries Mm -hmm. so what else can we do? Um, We cannot do anything about startups because, well, a lot of Indian tech unicorns are funded by big Chinese conglomer- conglomerates, right? Yeah,
0: in fact, most of them.
1: Yeah. So I think it was 18 out of 30. I was reading some post earlier this week. So that's like a majority of startups in India. Mm-hmm. Well, the big ones, at least, if you, even Zomato, right? Zomato, you got the... Oh, all learned- of them. Polar, swiggy, uh ham. obviously. Yeah, so anyway, um, so I don't get this whole sentiment of cutting China out. Um, but on the flip side, I don't really understand what else is there for the government to do. So I'm guessing they're trying to think of ways to affect China somehow, but it's a dumb move overall. Like, I just don't understand what's going on is a good way of putting
0: it. Yeah, it's it's kind of interesting to see as well. I mean, is this what diplomacy has come down to? Uh, that, you know, we're going to ban your entertainment apps? Because, I mean, on the flip side, if you look at it, something like Zoom hasn't been banned. That's also Chinese. Uh, yeah. Like the biggest app that, technically the biggest and the most uh relevant for, cons- for users is TikTok. Um, me community is big sure but then it's still a niche and then you've got stuff like wechat realistically that not that many people use wechat in india and no. there's uc browser which is big only because it was pre-bundled on most on a whole lot of phones it's just an odd mix of apps and it feels like you know it was a move done just to placate people that hey look we're damaging China economically by banning their apps but other than TikTok realistically like there's not much meat over there.
1: It and re- there really isn't and as I th- the more I think about it the more I realize that this is one of those things where it's just another distraction. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the government needs more of these now because if you look at the state of the country and how just the handling of the coronavirus situation has been mm-hmm. we need something to distract the attention away from our own failures right because states are not enforcing anything this well social distancing what the hell is that uh, because even today i think in my community they were talking about doing like some sort of a party downstairs for <laughs> everyone and i'm like it's almost as if everyone forgot that there's this thing called the coronavirus that's still present, and India is not just the only country to do so. Uh, even in the US, uh, yesterday was their July 4th thing, right? Mm-hmm. So my sister tweeted out photos where everyone was just gathering in like droves without any mass or anything. So I think it's also that um, it also comes down to the fact that we need the government has been really good at doing that. This these whole games where they distract the citizenry away from key issues whenever there's been like a big thing that's draining the economy or something like that so i think this is just one more i think we'll see a lot more of these absolute shit
0: shows it really reminds me of uh, the what was it the drone strike or the plane missile strike <laughs> that we did right before the elections that was such a distraction man like it's i i don't know like are people foolish or people are just placated so easily by the government uh, but okay, this is not a political podcast, or it is not supposed yeah. to be. <laughs> well, listen,
1: I mean, I'm seeing a lot of particularly dumb takes on social media about this whole fucking thing. I mean, folks that I thought knew better about mm-hmm. the situation and about globalization are tweeting some really weird shit. And I'm like... You- It's it's almost as if everybody's taken a leave of their senses. Um, Usually in these sort of scenarios, what would have gone down was that India and China would have gone to a mediator like the US because the US has been a mediator in a lot of our issues over the last, what, four decades, right? But the US is so fucked up right now (laughs) that they're only creating a lot of problems for themselves. So there's no one left to go to. Uh, So I think with that... With that whole chain breaking down, I think what everyone is resorting to is throwing shit at one another. Yeah. Kanye
0: 2020.
1: Oh, for fuck's sake. Is that legitimate? It is. <laughs> oh, man. That guy. Well, it's easy to break into that dude's phone. Everyone knows his password. Yeah,
0: I mean, hey, how much worse can he be compared to Donald Trump?
1: I thought those two were friends or something.
0: Kanye West is a big Donald Trump supporter. Yeah. Can you imagine an episode of keeping up with the Kardashians with like Kim and Kanye in the White House?
1: Well, I'm sure we have that to look forward to (laughs) January 22nd, 2021.
0: Yeah. I mean, uh, just, you know, to wrap up this bit, uh, I think beyond just the app ban, like the petty tactics that the government is resorting to blocking imports at the, or just taking forever to get customs ship sorted out, uh people are genuinely suffering businesses are suffering indian businesses rely on chinese imports so yeah. if they can't get those uh, the essentials from china well it's the indian economy which gets fucked again it's like the i think the playbook is
1: very similar to what the us did right even the slogan if you remember earlier this year that whole Oh, we're going to try homegrown jobs first. We're going to use our own products. What was that? Buy, be American, buy American. Yeah. That was the thing. And we co opted that same fucking slogan. It was what? Be Indian, buy Indian. What? I mean, if nonsense? you look
0: at it, Modi is just copying Trump's playbook in so many ways. Yeah.
1: But then what he doesn't understand is that you, the US at least has some leverage with mm. China because it's their biggest consumer. So if the U.S. were to say, oh, yeah, fuck off, we are not going to buy your goods. China will come to the table and make some sort of a deal like Mm -hmm. it has been doing for several years now. But India does not have that leverage.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think like it's just an inflated sense of ego where we stand in the global scenario.
1: Yeah. And it's sad to see because I've talked to I've had heated arguments with so many folks over this over the last two, three weeks. And everybody seems to think that, well, everybody seems to have a different view of India than what it actually is right now. Mm -hmm. So I think it's just that. I think nobody understands where we actually stand in a global stage.
0: Yep. Absolutely. But on to positive things. You built a new PC.
1: Oh, yeah, I did. Wow. That was a nice segue.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And it looks amazing, man. Those RGB lights everywhere.
1: Dude, I cannot tell you how insane the PC industry has gotten in the last 3-4 years. So, for some context, I didn't actually get to building a PC in like... I think this is the first machine I built in 4 years or 5 years. Mm-hmm. And the whole industry has changed. Uh, RGB stuff is everywhere. So I
0: gotta
1: say, I that, have... that motherboard is sexy. Yeah, the motherboard has RGB... Uh, Well, the heat plate has RGB lighting built in. And then my RAM has RGB. The liquid cooler has RGB. Uh, What other things have RGB in them? The case, obviously, and the fans. Wow, I didn't know that RGB fans were so good and so costly. Uh, And my mouse pad has RGB, keyboard, obviously. Uh, And I'm getting these really cool RGB light towers. They're only there for... Ambient lighting, and they're like these 42 centimeter towers that you put around your desk and they just create this diffuse light.
0: Sweet. I mean, well, you'll no longer be a golem.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I think I'll be a multicolored golem.
0: <laughs> yeah. So do you want to run us through, through the components that you've got or are planning to put in?
1: Yes. Um, so it's mostly a Corsair build. I have a Corsair iq465x case it's a it's a small tiny case i've always uh, done builds with full tower cases but this is like a mid-tower case it's really compact and it has a nice glass side panel and glass front and it has really nice fans that come built in it has three rgb fans built in mm-hmm. and those alone cost like 8000 if you have to buy them individually so um and then for the motherboard, I went with a Gigabyte Auro Z490, C490, because I'm using Intel's latest Comic Lake chipsets. So that is the Core i9 10900 k And that's like a 10 core beast. It's like the fastest consumer chip they've yeah. built. It's absolutely insane. I've been meaning to, I was actually meant to review it under embargo two months ago, but the fucking thing has been held up at customs for what? I don't know, three months? So yeah, I'm glad I'm finally getting my hands on it. It's this crazy thing. I think this is the fastest gaming chip that you'll find in the world today. Yeah, so.
0: I can see you're pretty excited about it.
1: Yeah, very excited. Um, and then I also got 32 GB of RAM, DDR4 at I think 3200 megahertz With RGB. Uh, what else? With RGB. It has... So everything is Corsair because Corsair has a system called IQ. Mm -hmm. where you basically can just synchronize lighting across all products. So I think right now I have about 12 of their products that have IQ. Mm -hmm. So it's just going to be like this crazy light show once I finally (laughs) set everything up. Uh, (laughs) What else? What else? Uh, The video card obviously is the key thing here. Still waiting on it, but I'm getting an NVIDIA RTX 2080, the founder's edition. Sweet. So that should hold me well.
0: Any plans to Um, upgrade to the 3000 series when that's out?
1: Sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, We'll talk more about that later. (laughs) (laughs) But it is interesting for those that actually care about NVIDIA's 3000 series. Some other leaks have been particularly interesting. I cannot wait to see what NVIDIA will actually do because AMD has been making a lot of huge gains in that area Mm. over the last two years. So let's see where that ends up being Uh, but yeah for now what else Uh, I have a Corsair RM series for power delivery that's what I've been using for over a decade that's what I use across all of my builds so that and storage I just have a Samsung SATA SSD now 1TB I wanted to get an M2 but then I didn't know if it would be actually delivered from the US so I just went with the 1TB one but Sabrent is making this 8TB M2 SSD that I really want to get my hands on.
0: (laughs) Sounds good, man. Uh, So you said that the 2080 is coming next week, right? Yeah. Nice. Uh, This would pretty much be one of the fastest builds that you can do right now, if I'm not mistaken.
1: Pretty much. I think you can get like a 2080 Ti. Uh, But other than that, I don't see how you can get anything faster. at this point in time
0: so for the listeners would you want to put a rough ballpark figure to this
1: oh my god
0: uh let's let's leave aside all the peripherals just just the cabinet like just the just the pc just the pc
1: uh just the chassis alone i think would be around 2.5 or 2.6 lakhs but then again i don't know how much a few things cost in india so Let's say plus or minus 20, well, plus 20, 30,000. Yeah. There's not going to be any minus now <laughs> with all the stuff that's going on.
0: So yeah, uh, roughly 2.5 lakh rupees or a little more than that gets you one of the fastest builds on the planet. And I would estimate this would easily last you a good five years, four to five years. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So yeah. I've had my earlier rig for like, what, five years now. And the only thing I changed out was switch from a 980 to a 1080. So other than that, it has been the same
0: yeah so i mean if you're a big pc gamer that's the kind of investment that you're le- looking for if you want console class longevity
1: oh for fuck's sake fuck off man
0: console okay. master you race. can do
1: yeah let me know when you can run like 30 tabs in chrome on your playstation 4 well i can dark. still
0: play games uh the latest games on my seven year old playstation 4 so Huh. Yeah, I know, but it's the versatility,
1: right? It's not just for gaming. I know, know I'm a just pulling more. your leg, man. No, no, I'm gonna get you to build a rig, like just how you guys have well turned me into one of these PlayStation fanatics. Yeah, I'm gonna get you to build one of these rigs. <laughs> I will buy
0: you a PlayStation Five the day you convince me to do that.
1: Done. It it doesn't take a lot of convincing, man.
0: <laughs> Sweet. Um, I guess that pretty much wraps up our episode for this week. I think this has been one of our shortest and that's because Akshay yeah. wasn't here. Um, anything else do you, which you might want to add? Um,
1: uh, I think that's about it. Stay safe, everyone. Please be careful and don't give in to all the dumb nonsense that's been going out going around.
0: Yep. Wise words. All right, guys. Uh, We'll be back with Akshay next week. uh, But for the moment, enjoy the episode. And uh, like Harish said, stay safe. Uh, Don't be stupid about things. Wear a mask when you go out. Wash your hands. And yeah, have a great week ahead. Bye. All right. Bye.